Yo, what's going on, guys? It's your boy, Chris. Today, I have a really special episode for you all. I interviewed my friend, Victor. He's based out here in Seoul, South Korea. He's an entrepreneur that started a wine accessories business that he has successfully scaled to seven figures on Amazon. His goal right now is getting into physical stores here in Asia. And I think you guys will really like this one. We talk about his entrepreneurship story, sexy versus unsexy businesses, strategies and tactics he's used to scale his business, and his current thoughts on selling on Amazon. If you're interested at all in entrepreneurship, selling on Amazon, business mindset, I think you guys will really like this one. So let's go ahead and get started. Here we go. So Victor, first, let's just start off with your personal background. Like, how did you get started? Where are you from? To give you a brief uh, background about myself, I used to work at Samsung Heavy Industries, which is the building right across the street. I always knew that I wanted to start a business uh, ever since I was a little kid. Both of my parents were entrepreneurs. So I always had it in my mind that I knew that, that I wanted to be a businessman, but I just didn't know how. And um, while I was working at Samsung, I just realized that if I let myself continue on this path, and if I don't take massive, uh, if I don't take a risk, if I don't take massive action, my life was just going to fall into obscurity. And so I did some research online, uh, looked through Reddit, YouTube on how to start a business. I didn't have a lot of money at the time. So... I took the, I narrowed down a few things. I actually started out making apps and I realized that there was not a lot of money in apps. Well, there is, but then you have to invest a lot more to actually make some money through apps. So I dabbled in uh, reskinning apps first, then uh, moved on over into Amazon. Yeah. How old were you when you were thinking about that, about starting a business? I think I was like about 26, 27. Yeah, 27. And um, so before I was in Samsung, I was in the military as an interpreting officer. Before that, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had absolutely no idea. But I realized that if I keep on putting stuff off, nothing was ever going to happen. Nobody was going to magically come along and be like, hey, here's a business, run it. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. So I realized that I had to actually, yeah, like I said, take a, take a massive risk. I'm sure you have uh, had a similar experience too. Like when you first decided that you wanted to start a business, it's, it's not an easy thing taking that first leap, but it's, it's, the, it's a necessary step. Yeah, I think that's a very common story. And I think just taking that first step, taking action is something that's incredibly hard to do. So what was it that really motivated you to take action? Because I feel like that's very hard to do. Yeah. So when I was in the military, I felt bad for uh, like, there's nothing wrong with having a military career. I think that's a very admirable job. But to me, personally, it seemed very boring because their life was set out for them. Like if you're a first, if you're a second lieutenant in the military, 
few years later, you're going to be a first lieutenant. A few years after that, you're going to be a captain. And so on and so forth. And if you're lucky enough, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, maybe you're going to be a colonel, a general. But that's very predictable. And to me, that seemed like hell. Because I wanted to do something that was not set for me. Because there, there must be more to life than like a predetermined path. And when I went to Samsung, I had the same experience over uh, all over again. I was a entry level job. Then a few years later, I would you know get a raise, and maybe if I'm lucky down the li- down the line, I would be a uh, sangmu. I don't know what that rank is called in English, but okay. I would be a sangmu and a chonmu, and that's it. So. That really sucked, you know. It's. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having a stable job, but it was just. It, it just wasn't me. Like I know it's. It's perfectly fine to pursue a job where there's a, you know, set career. But for me personally, it was that predictability. It was very terrifying to think about. Like, okay, so you have that feeling when you're working in corporate. What was your first step? So what did you do? So you have to do whatever it takes. Like yeah. literally that that's it. It's you have to do anything and everything. For me, I looked around and then I realized that my peers, you know, they were either investing in stocks, you know, they were studying to get a realtor's license to get something on the side, get get something going on the side. So I the initial thought like it wasn't even I wasn't even looking to start a business. I was looking to create an additional source of income because everybody else seemed to have an additional source of income. And I didn't realize how little money I was going to make when I first started a corporate job because, uh, you know, you have all these ideas of how much money you're going to make when you become this and, you know, but in actuality, it's not that much. So I was looking to have like a quote unquote side hustle. So that's why I got started in the apps because I, I went online and I found that you could, um, download source codes online and they go for like anywhere from 20, 20 bucks to 50 bucks. So you can, you can basically download the skeletons of popular apps and you could uh, go to websites, different websites. You could look on the iTunes, uh, I, uh, iTunes, the iStore. I forgot what that was called. You can, you can look there and you can see the rankings of the apps. So you can literally see what the top grossing apps are. So I would just basically look at those lists and choose, okay, this app I think would do well. I think I can make my own version of this app. So, and I would download the source code of that, hire uh, a developer in Eastern Europe somewhere through uh, websites like Upwork and, uh, I think they changed their name. I don't remember what it was called, but there was freelancing websites, you know? Uh, you could hire them. It was them. like Elance too. Yeah, yeah, Elance. Elance back in the day, yeah. Yeah, I think Elance merged with Upwork, yeah. right? Anyways, you could hire them. And so basically, that's what I did. And I created a few apps. And after like three months, I made a grand total. I, I made a profit of 30 bucks. And that's when I realized, okay, this is not the way to go. Uh, that's actually pretty good, though, that you made $30. You know, I always say when people ask me about business and uh, 
they ask for advice, I just tell them have a goal of of making one dollar. You know, like if you have like a side hustle, like just make one dollar, make that a goal because that's a small goal that feels like it's very attainable. Yeah. So I feel like thirty dollars, like that was not bad. Yeah, but then thirty dollars for three months worth of work, like yeah. staying up like until like three a.m. in the morning to get all of that coordinated. Yeah. Um, to me, that wasn't good enough. So I was like, okay, if everybody at back in the day, like. Five six years ago, everybody was going towards like IoT, VR, and apps. You know, they were they were going into the quote unquote sexy businesses. And uh, my logic was okay. If everybody is going that way, let let's try going the other way because you're always going to need cups. You know, you're always going to need like stuff like chairs and lighters or scissors, stuff like that. So. That's that's why I got into Amazon. That's a very good insight, though. Like, how do you get that kind of insight to do something unsexy when you're 26? Well, because my um, reasoning was that, especially if you look at Korean culture, everybody kind of like rushes towards the trendy thing to do, right? And for me, that seemed very. It seemed like a losing game. Like you're setting yourself up to lose because if you have a lot of competition and if everybody's doing the same thing, how can you ever create something that actually sets you apart? Or how can you ever create something that that lasts, right? That's sustainable. So even on Facebook, like if sometimes though, like don't you see like the quizzes on on your post? Like, oh, like what's the answer to this crazy equation? And you look down in the comments and if everybody's saying like five, 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 then I automatically think, okay, it's not five. (laughs) (laughs) Because think about it. The person who made the post probably predicted that everybody's was going to say five. So there's a, there's probably a trick in there somewhere. If it was like a normal, easy equation, then, you know, then they wouldn't be posting it. So that was my logic. Like, if everybody's zigging, let's zag. You know? Okay. I think that's I think that's incredibly smart. I mean, for me as well, my e-commerce business is in something unsexy too. And so like when we talk about sexy, that's like something that's like very trendy. So I guess like for now, right now, things that would be trendy would be something like drones. Yeah. Or like crypto. Marijuana. Yeah. Marijuana, weed, weed yeah. businesses. Those are very sexy businesses. Yeah. But then, like, as you said, there's a lot of money to be made in unsexy. Yeah, uh, I also like this idea also came from an article that I read. A private banker wrote an article on like, I don't know, like New York Times or Business Insider, one of those, you know, media outlets. And they were like, yeah, I'm a private banker. And then I, I deal with millionaires accounts every day. And everybody thinks the you know, the tech, like the tech people are the real millionaires. But then in reality, that's not true. Like the people that are actual millionaires and billionaires are the people that sell like power tools or people that sell like sales, you know, like sales on a ship. Like, so yeah, like I read that and I, and I thought to myself, well, I mean, the goal is to be successful. It's not to be successful through a particular thing. And that kind of helped me shift my thinking. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you make $30 in three months. You realize that this is not the way to go. So what happens next? 
Yeah. So what I did was, okay, so I basically took the methodology I used to identify profitable apps and I applied it to physical products. This was way before I knew things like, you know, like the, the Amazon selling, you know, they, they, they have those educational programs. Like there's like 20, there's like dozens of those online right now. Okay. Like um, the amazing selling machine. Yeah. The amazing seller. Startup bros. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was before I knew any of that. It was before I knew that world even existed. Like I didn't even realize that there was a community of these types of sellers. So how I identified profitable apps was I just looked at, you know, the, the trending charts. There, there are websites online where you can see which apps gross the most amount of money, which apps trended for how long. So I basically, I just took that data and I found apps that I could work with. Like I found source quotes that I could work with. And I thought to myself, you know, what is, what is the equivalent of iTunes for physical products? You know, what's the equivalent of these charts for physical products? And it was easy at the time. It's Amazon. And the great thing about Amazon is that it showed like the bestseller uh, rankings of every product. So it's, so it's literally giving you free market research. And I, you know, looked at Amazon. I, I just went on Amazon every day for like, for like five, six months. And I just kept on analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. And after a while, you kind of get a feel for it. You feel like Neo in the matrix and then you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I just kept on looking at that data. I just became obsessed with that data and I decided to go with, uh, uh, wine accessories, the, the things that I sell now. Just because I felt that it's something that I could get into with the amount of capital that I had at the time. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I did. It was what kind of capital were you working with at the time? I started my business with $4,000, man. Like I had no money. I had absolutely no money. I was broke. I went clubbing every weekend and I just, I went drinking every day. And I had no money saved up. I had maybe like 20K uh, from my military, uh, from my time in the military. But then like I, my, my, my mom took it, (laughs) my mom, she's like pay up. So yeah. What were some other things that you were looking at other than wine accessories? Do you remember? I think I was looking at like uh, water bottles. Yeah. I think I was looking at thermoses and water bottles and I, and I had like a very, very good URL for a water bottle company called watergourd.com. What is that? Water what? Water gourd. Water gourd. Okay. Yeah. So I even had a logo designed for it and everything. And I was going to go with water gourd because I thought it could be a really cool brand. But I'm, I'm glad that I didn't go with water gourd. Yeah. The water bottle market is way too competitive and way too saturated with like swell and all, you know? So. So, I mean, the Amazon gold rush has been going on for a long time now. Like when you got in, did you think it was pretty late or like, how did you feel? I think I got in, I wasn't early, but I wasn't late either. Uh, if I'm totally honest with uh, all the people listening, it is slightly late to get into Amazon, not because it's saturated or anything. Well, it is much more saturated than it was a few years ago. But the reason why I, uh, the reason why I would be cautious of about getting into Amazon is because the company itself is changing. So 
yeah, the company itself is changing many. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a shift going on. So that's why I'll be a little bit cautious before going to Amazon. If I were to start an e-commerce business from scratch right now, I would, I would build a platform off of Amazon first, then get into Amazon. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. So you have $4,000. You've decided to get into wine accessories. What is your next step? What did you do? Research, research, research is the number one thing. I think many people like they fall in love with an idea and they think it's going to work and they psych themselves out. But then that's, that's, that's not what happens. Usually, uh, I, I think I read somewhere that like the reason why 90% of entrepreneurs fail within the first three years is because they fail to pivot. They fail to, uh, adjust to reality. So they think they fall in love with their idea. They think this is going to work out. And then most entrepreneurs are usually very smart. And so they trust their brains too much. And then they deny reality. They think, no, no, this is going to work. Reality shows otherwise. No, no, it's going to work. But you have to have a healthy balance of believing in yourself and also responding to what is uh, the challenges that are put in front of you. Yeah. So research, research. I'm guessing at this time... It was researching Alibaba, looking for suppliers. That too. And I kept on looking at, you know, trends on Amazon every single day. Like, okay, around this time during the summertime, this sells well. The bestseller ranking rose for this product. You know, like this, these guys are using this type of strategy to sell. So, okay, if the, if these guys are using this particular strategy, can't I apply that strategy to another product? So I, I kept on researching for, I tried, I tried to get a better understanding of Amazon and how to sell on Amazon because Amazon is a small ecosystem in and of itself. It's a small marketplace in and of itself. So Amazon has their own unique dynamics inside there. So yeah, that's, that's what I did. I think research is really its key. That's what gave me the confidence to, you know, go all in with, my $4,000 saved up because at the time that was a lot of money for me. That's pretty scary actually. Yeah. I, I remember writing my first check toward to my suppliers. Like my hands were shaking. It was, it was, it was a jarring experience, but I'm glad I took the leap. Did you end up going to China to visit your factory first or what did you do? Initially I didn't just because I had another job at the time. Uh, mind you, I was, I was doing this as a side hustle. Yeah. So I didn't go visit China at the time, but I did everything that I could outside of visiting China to make sure that my investment was safe. I asked them to send over like, um, you know, official, uh, factory documents. If there's anything to prove the validity of their, uh, factory. I talked to my supplier every day, even though I had nothing to say, you know, building up a relationship, but I didn't visit my factory until I ordered my second batch, I think. How about branding, you know, packaging, that kind of thing? How did that work out? Yeah. So what I did with my branding is that people try to be innovative and creative from the get-go. But if you really think about it, you, you have no right to be innovative. You know, like, like you have, like you have no basis for your innovation. Like, so the best thing to do when you're starting out is look at what the best guys are doing and just copy them. Like, not copy them exactly, like model after them. So basically what I did with my packaging is I looked at the iPhone 
packaging. And I modeled and I thought to myself, okay, what, what makes this good packaging? Why is the iPhone, you know, uh, praised for, you know, its design? Why is there, why does this packaging work? You know, why does this type of branding work? So I really thought about that very hard and I was able to kind of get a vague idea of what I should do just by modeling after already successful brands. Yeah, I think that when you don't have that much money, it's it's a good idea to take a look at other brands that are doing well and kind of just copy elements that they have. Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, when you're starting out, when when I was starting out, I, I had no idea about how to run a business. So it would be arrogant of me to, you know, come up with totally something new, assume that it was going to work. So you're... You- write a check for $4,000 to your Chinese factory. Mm-hmm. Your goods come to where? Your house? Or was Amazon Prime available at that time? Yeah, Amazon FBA was available at the time. So what I did was I I had an inspection agency inspect the products. I had my factory send over a few units so that I could check that um, it was all well and good to go. Uh, by the way, like, you should, if you're going to start a physical products business, you have to make sure that your factory is legit because there are many people that get screwed over by, you know, um, bad actors on Alibaba posing as factories when they're not really, they, when they don't actually have a factory. So, uh, just a side note, you have to be careful about stuff like that, but I was comfortable enough because I video chat, I, I had multiple video chats with, uh, with my factory and um, I was able to be com- be at a place where I was comfortable enough to have them send it directly to Amazon. Of course, for the first few batches, I had another inspection agency in the US take a look at the products before it was sent into the FBA centers. But after a while, you develop a relationship with your factory and you don't have to really be that uptight about um seeing if the factory does their job or not. So it gets to the FBA warehouse and how does it go? Yeah. So like the first, I remember the exact date when I, when I sold my first product, it was 2015, March 12th. And I was like, mom, mom. And I called my mom right away. Mom, I sold my first product. And um, it was very, uh, it was very exciting for me. I think that is such a amazing, amazing feeling. Like when you start a company, yeah. you work so hard and you finally get your first sale. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Months and months of work, like not paying off just yet, but you know, it's a, it's, a, it's your first glimmer of hope. Right. So yeah, like I, I sold my first product and I kept on tweaking my listing. I kept on tweaking my listing, tweaking my branding yeah, one of the things that I see a lot of uh, Amazon sellers that Amazon sellers not do is they don't tweak their listing. Uh, they don't tweak their offers that much. For me, I I switched up my product photos like over like 50 times, I think. Change something a little bit here, change something there, and I kept on tweaking, tweaking, tweaking and about 2 months in, it just clicked and my sales just tripled overnight. Just because I, I figured out how to sell through Amazon, through my listing. 
And then during this time, were you talking with other Amazon sellers, like trying to figure out like different strategies? What were you doing? Like, I had no idea that there was this whole community of Amazon sellers in the US. Like, I was just some random Korean boy, just, you know, working at Samsung during the day and, you know, reading stuff on Reddit and YouTube at night. And at that time, like, there was not a lot of information on selling on Amazon on YouTube. So it was mostly, it was mostly Reddit for me. But okay, so one of the things that I caution to people that are looking uh, to get into selling on Amazon is getting too much involved with that community. Because like, if you have a group of people that only think one way, like, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, how are you going to make, how are you going to differentiate yourself? Like, really, like, and, and I understand that people have a, you know, people have a instinctual desire to you know belong to groups and stuff but and that's that's great like i think it's great that you know there are different amazon seller groups facebook groups and stuff like that amazon seller masterminds that's great but then if you're too involved with that like you you base you're basically doing the same thing that other people are doing and nothing changes so for me, I think that was my biggest strength. I was doing stuff that not a lot of people were doing. Like, so I was just looking at it, looking at the whole situation from a very pure perspective. It's like, how do I make more money right now? Like, if I was buying, so this is what I did. I, I bought, I started buying a lot of stuff on Amazon. And while I was buying stuff on Amazon, I would kind of step out of my body and observe myself making decisions while I was buying on Amazon. I would be like, okay, I decided to go with this. Why? And you know, like when, when you buy, you have this aha moment of why I should buy this product. And so I just started keeping a journal of all these aha moments of why I bought this product. I bought this product because I liked this line. You know, I liked this pro, I bought this product because this photo was nice compared to the other photos, blah, 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 blah. You know, so I kept on writing, a, uh, keeping a journal of all those stuff and condensed it and applied it to my own listings. And I think that is, that was, that was the game changer. So yeah, buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, buy a lot of stuff online and kind of figure out why, kind of observe yourself, step out of your body and observe yourself and write down notes on why you bought this product, like why you made this decision. Because I mean, if you bought, this product for these, these, these reasons, other people, like you're not that special. Other people must have a similar thinking pattern as you do. So yeah, that's what I did. I think that is absolutely gold. You know, writing down your aha moments and just reflecting on yourself and why you make certain purchases. I think that's seriously huge. That was really big for me, I think. So, and then did you start researching other like psychology, like buying psychology, like that kind of thing? This was when I wasn't that into marketing just yet. Okay. I guess I was naturally introduced into, uh, you know, uh, marketing strategy and stuff as my business got bigger. But, you know, like people, people put these fancy names for like, you know, different strategies and stuff. But at the end, like, what's the goal of a business is... There's money in that guy's pocket. I want that money to be in my pocket, right? So how do I make that happen fast? 
That's the real easy. That's the easiest way to think about it. That guy has money. I want that money. So how do I get that guy's money in my pocket? Like so. That's that's how I thought. Okay. Like I can sell him this, and I can convince him this way to give me that money. And on Amazon, essentially, it's a marketplace. Like it's not like a funnel where he where a buyer. Where a customer does not see、uh, does not see other products and only sees your products, Amazon is a marketplace where a customer is always going to compare your product with other products, right? So the key thing here is how do I convince him that my product is better than other products? So I I had to really hone in on my unique selling proposition, USP. I I didn't even know that there was a acronym for that. But yeah, like, why is my pro- like basically? It's like why why should I why should why should I choose this over that, right? So yeah, like when I chose my first product, I kind of knew that if I just did the、uh, did OEM with the products that the factory already had, like some other guy could come in any time and just take over the listing or. Or compete with me on the same thing and undercut me by price, and I and I didn't want to I didn't want to play that game. So basically, what I did was I looked at the best selling products. I I looked at the best I looked at the top two best selling products, and I looked I went through all of the reviews, and made a list of okay, customers like product A because of these 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 features, but they don't like these features, and. Product、uh, customers like product B because of these features, and they don't like these features. And I just compile the list of that, and then I design my own product, thinking, okay, how do I combine the advantages of these two products and take away the dis-、uh, take away the disadvantage of these products? So that's basically what I did. I got the top two best-selling products, and I just combined them, and only took the good and left out all the bad. Which is always a winning strategy. Like you can't lose with that, right? Definitely, I think that's so important to take a look at your competition, see what their weaknesses are, and see how you can capitalize on those weaknesses. Yeah, and listen to the customers. Like the people that left the reviews on the top two products are not your customers yet, but you can see their feedback. And you know, feedback even before you launch a product is always valuable. So. I think that's what I really honed in on. I I honed in on what the guys that were buying the product are looking for. Actually, what were some other big moments in your company?、Mm, so I tweaked my Amazon listing for about three months before it kind of really took off. And my aha moment was, oh, everybody's using product photos like this, but why don't I just make it into a PowerPoint slide? Why don't I just structure it like a PowerPoint slide? And the logic behind that is, I noticed that when I was buying products, like I had, so it's like you're guiding the thinking of the customers. Like you're 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 you have like a, okay, so so for example, like you you know you have a wine aerator. People that looked for wine aerators on Amazon probably already know what a wine aerator does. So you're wasting your your space explaining what a wine aerator is, right? Okay, then you go through the reviews and you see what people like about the wine aerator. 
So that's the first thing you uh, go in with. Hey, this wine narrator does this. And also it does this, 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 like you're, you're guiding them thinking of the customer. Like you're, you're, you're talking to them at where they are. Like, I mean, you could explain what a wine, uh, you could explain what's good about this wine aerator, but then if the person has no idea what a wine aerator does, you're, you're just wasting your time. But if this person knows what a wine, if, uh, if your customer knows what a wine aerator is, then you can start there. Yeah. Because Amazon people, are specifically searching for yeah. that thing, wine aerator. Yeah. And then that's how they find you. It's not like something where they just discover it on Amazon. They're specifically searching for that yeah. term. It's not cold traffic where you have to introduce your product. They already know what your product does. They're already looking for something specific. So you have to start there. And then you have to convince them why this product is better than the competition. Then after... You know, you adequately explain why this competition, uh, you know, why this comp, uh, why this product is unique. Then you hit them with like, oh, you know, like there's a lifetime guarantee on this. So even if you regret your purchase, you can always get a refund. Then you eliminate the, you know, uh, you eliminate the uh, last minute hesitation that they have. Yeah. So it's a, it's a process you have. um, And when I figured out that I could, convince the customers through a PowerPoint slide format, that's when my sales tripled. Like that must have been a great feeling. Yeah, it was awesome. Not because I was making more money, but because I figured something out, right? It's like I get it. You know, I I received confirmation that I'm on the right path towards figuring this business thing out. That was one of my biggest aha moments. When I figured that, oh, another thing, people hate reading, right? People hate reading. You have to show them why your product is good. You can't, you can't logically convince them why your product is good. You have to kind of like impact them through your photos or through emotion or, or some, anything other than just words, right? And words are just a tool. Definitely. I think that's a really, really important point. Okay. So you, we, okay. So earlier in the conversation, you were talking about how you don't think that Amazon now is that good of a platform to start a new business. So let's say that you were starting from scratch now, knowing everything that you know right now, how would you go about creating a business? Well, first of all, um, I would undoubtedly create my own funnel or my own website first. Let me briefly touch on why Amazon, uh, how selling on Amazon is different now than from when I started. So back in like 2014, 15, that's before Amazon, that's before the current Amazon, you know, uh, Amazon is now the biggest company in the US, you know, second company to reach a trillion dollar valuation but it was way before it was not way before that but then it was before amazon got really big right so at the time amazon was heavily investing in promoting their prime program because uh, did you know that amazon loses like five billion dollars a year uh by offering their prime program no i did not know that like yeah they're 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 losing money by offering free two-day shipping one i think it's like one day shipping now right but they're doing they did that just to 
uh, they were willing to lose that much money just to gather users because uh, that was Jeff Bezos' plan all along. I think Jeff Bezos said in like a speech uh, somewhere that people always ask him what's going to be the next big thing in, in 10 years. But what he thinks is most important is the things that are not going to change rather than the things that are going to change. And he said that people are always going to want cheaper products. People are always going to want free shipping. And people are always going to want a wide variety of products. And hell, like if you have free two-day shipping, like I, some people, like if it's not on, if, if a product that they want is not on Amazon, uh, is not on Amazon, they're willing to wait until it gets on Amazon just so they can take advantage of the free two-day shipping, right? So at back in the day, Amazon liked it if you ran massive, massive promotions. Amazon would rank you higher if if you ran massive promotions. Amazon would not care if you, you know, uh, got reviews off of those promotions. And Amazon had a lot of room to grow because not everybody had Prime. But now, two-thirds of American households have Prime. There's There's more people in the States that have Amazon Prime than people that have landlines. So now Amazon is not looking to sell cheaper products. Amazon is a business. They have to make more and more money every year, right? So now if you run a massive promotion, Amazon is actually going to lower your keyword search ranking. Amazon does not allow people that, you know, bought your product with, you know, a certain percentage of a discount code to write a review. So it's much harder to rank on Amazon. Amazon is trying to have more bigger name brands on their, uh, on their platform because, well, most of them are already on it anyway, but Amazon wants to, wants to make more money through, uh, by selling more, slightly more expensive products. That's what I think Amazon is going. So you have to understand what Amazon is trying to do in order to understand the whole Amazon ecosystem. I'm not sure if I got it completely right because I'm not an Amazon insider or anything. But I mean, if I'm like, if you think, if you think of it from Amazon's perspective, right? Like what I, what I found recently is that, uh, my keyword rankings for my newly launched products would actually, uh, go down in ranking when I ran massive promotions. But I would be able to climb keyword rankings much faster if I invested heavily in PPC or if I invested heavily in um, ex- uh, bringing in external traffic into Amazon through my listing. Then Amazon would rank me higher. So, but in order to do that, it's a whole new set of, uh, it's a whole new skill set that you have to learn. Um, not just like, you know, figuring out how Amazon works, right? So that's why I would kind of be cautious of starting on Amazon if I, if I were to start on Amazon, because now you just have to know so much more. And in the end, you're always going to be at the mercy of Amazon. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of young guys that listen to this podcast. So for them, like, what what kind of advice would you give them? Well, make sure that starting a business is what you really want to do. Because that's the number, like long time ago, I thought that anyone could be an entrepreneur. If you hustled hard and if you worked hard, you can be an entrepreneur. But I still believe that to a certain degree, but some people are apple trees and some people are palm trees. Some people are oak trees. 
everybody has a different. Everybody is made of different things. They have a different way of thinking, and when you run a business, it's something that you do have to do every day. Even when you're resting, you're probably gonna think about your business. Like, I mean, isn't that true for you? Like, even when you're resting, you're probably thinking about like different stuff related to your related to your job, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm always thinking about my business. Yeah. So, the work-life balance is an illusion. Like, there's no such thing. Even if even when you're resting, you're not really resting. So you have to make sure it's something that you can do every day and something that. Naturally resonates with with who you are and what your soul is made out of. It's it's something that you have to be able to do every day without even thinking about it, or you're gonna be burnt out. Like I guarantee anybody that's listening to this, like if you're not meant to run a business, but then you're kind of forcing yourself, like you're forcing yourself into that peg, into that hole. Yeah, you're gonna burn out. You have to make sure that. The business that you're running is something that comes, is something that resonates with you. But then the good news is that there's many different types of businesses. Like there's no set way of how to how to run a business. There's there's many different strategies. There are many different structures. There's many different products. So, but the advice that I would give to people that are looking to start a business is that you have to make sure this is something that. Is compatible with who you are. It's almost like, I mean, if if somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, you know, like run this um hundred million dollar cryptocurrency business," that would sound very appealing. But I'm not sure if I if cryptocurrency is right for me or not. I'm not I'm not into crypto at all. I'm I'm purely into physical products. But I don't think I would be able to handle it because that's just not who I am. You have to really figure out what vibes with you. How do you figure out what vibes with you? I feel like when you're young, you don't really know. This is where awareness becomes very important. And Chris, you you know me personally very well.、Um, you know that I I love I love to I'm a hardcore meditator. Yeah.、Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I know are very into meditating. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are very introspective, like you. They think. Very hard about life and why they act. Yeah, their psychology.、Sure. They think a lot about their own psychology, why they do specific things, like what you were talking about before. Like, why do you buy things on Amazon? What makes you specifically buy this、mm. product over that product? I think most entrepreneurs are very, very aware and they think a lot. I totally agree with you. So, because you know, we're talking about awareness, right? So. I observe. I try to observe myself in my day to day. It's like, what do I naturally do when I'm left to my own devices? And I, I think I told you this before when we were having,、uh, you know, when we we're talking some other time. But I try to observe myself and figure out why I like what I'm doing when I'm bored. Like, for example, like everybody loves games, right? Everybody loves games, but. People like games for different reason. For different reasons, for example, if you're if you're playing StarCraft, one person might love StarCraft because he loves the teamwork. You know, one person might love coming up with new strategies. One person might love the competition aspect. One one person might love the, you know, might love dominating their opponents, 
right? So that's what I try to really, really tune into and try to really maximize in my life. Like, and for me, I figured out that I love analyzing things. I love figuring out how things work. And like, so, so when I, when I look at a magic trick, I'm, I'm not the type of guy that, you know, looks at a magic trick and say, says, wow, you know, like I, I always like look for like hidden wires and I look for like sleight of hand, you know? So I always try to figure out how, how this works. And I also like building stuff. So when I analyze things and I figure out like a nugget of truth, like I, I'm always thinking like, how can I use this? How can I combine this with something else and build my own little thing, you know? Because we were talking about games, you know, I, I loved, you know, when Fallout 4 first came out, you know, I, I didn't move from my computer and I just played Fallout 4 for, for two weeks straight. But what I did was, uh, rather than going on quests, I would build my own towns within Fallout 4. That's the type of thing that I'm naturally inclined to do. I love building things. I love, that's why I'm in physical products because I love building things. I like figuring out how this mechanism of this product works and I like building it. And lastly, I like telling stories. I like coming up with, uh, you know, a coherent, you know, story that has like a lesson to be learned or has a point to it. And I like communicating it to other people and that really works well for me for my for my business because that's essentially storytelling is marketing right so when i put those three things together about myself i was born to do this i was born to build my own products and sell it on amazon uh, by telling a story so rather than just thinking oh i want to do business like what about business do you like like what about this specific thing do you like and is, and is that the thing that you're naturally inclined to do? So you really have to do a lot of introspection, be aware of your behaviors in your day to day. That introspection, I think, is so, so important. And I think that it's not something that a lot of people do. I think a lot of people, they just do their nine to five job. They come home, they watch Netflix yes. on weekends, they go out with their friends, they sleep in late. And mm -hmm. then the next week, they just do it again. Yeah, I totally agree. But I think that, uh, yeah, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you really have to introspect yourself and just really sit down and think about who you are and if this is something that you can do. Mm -hmm. You really have to ask yourself why you're doing this. Why are you doing anything? Oh, yeah. That why is huge. Yeah. Why? If you don't have the why, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out really fast because... um purpose if is what makes life worth living in a way right but if you don't ask why and if you don't really dial into it then your purpose is like it's 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 built on on sand you know it's it's going to break down sooner or later and everything that you've done up till now will suddenly feel meaningless so i think really dialing in on like what you're doing and why you're doing it is is very very important. And so going back to your why, what was your why? For me, I I told you I like building stuff. I just wanted to see how big of a castle I could build. You know, I I I wanted to see like if I could become number one on Amazon. I was, and that it was just fun for me. 
I, I just loved, I didn't enjoy like dominating my competition or anything. I just wanted it to, I just want, I just wanted more people to use my products because it was a really good product. I think for me, my why on why I started my company was freedom, you know, just being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Yeah. And that was so, so important to me. And that's what kept me going when I was starting my business. Yeah. That was really big for me too. And, and the great news for you is that you, you totally achieved it, right? Yeah. Like for me, freedom, I thought freedom was important to me at the time, but when I was observed myself, like I, I haven't been on a vacation in a lot. Ever since I became an adult, I have never been on a vacation. So I guess freedom isn't that important to me, but I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I, I enjoy what I do. Yeah, because I think you find out that business is fun or like challenging yourself is fun. Yeah, it's something that I'm not trying to, you know, make myself look like, you know, oh, I'm a hustler. Like, I, I, I hate that word, actually. I, I think it's kind of immature. For me, I actually like that word, hustler. Uh, like, <laughs> well, I mean, you, everybody can have different preferences. Definitely. Right? Um, but for me, it's like, why are you hustling? <laughs> you know, it's like, what's the use of just hustling for the sake of hustling? Yeah. yeah. So having that why is so important. Yeah. For me, I'm very, I think I'm very lucky that I, I just enjoy, I just enjoy creating things. I think you enjoy creating things too. Like I see on your forum that you have a tattoo that says create on there. That's right. Um, I just really enjoy coming up with cool stuff and showing other people the cool stuff that I made. It's a very childish emotion inside me, but then that's, that's what keeps me, keeps me going. It's like, Hey, look, look, look what I made. Mom, look what I made. <laughs> like that's, that's, I think what's inside of me. And that's what I really enjoy doing. I think that's really good. Uh, do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, one superpower that I think that I have, I'm not the most smartest person that I know. I'm not the, I'm not the most talented. I'm actually pretty lazy a lot of the times too, but a superpower that I have, I think a leg up that I have over other people is that I just never give up. It's just inconceivable for me. Um, I read this quote somewhere. It's all going to be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And that's what really kept me going. Like an entrepreneur, a mutual friend of ours, TK and I were talking about this last time. And every single entrepreneur has multiple times in their career when they think their business is going to go out of business. But the people that last are people that just don't give up. Like, I know it sounds really cliche, but it's so true. It's really true. Just don't give up. Like, yeah, do whatever it takes to make it work. Figure it out. Don't go to sleep. Figure it out. And I know that a lot of people that are looking to start businesses and stuff, you know, you, you, ha you there's, it's going to be fun, but then it's going to be hard too. And I think figure it out. That's so incredibly powerful. That's something I tell my employees when they come to me with problems or any issues, I always tell them, figure it out, be a problem solver, mm. you know? And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's never the end of the world. It's something that you can always try to 
uh, figure out as yeah, well. You're not going to die. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. I think that's, that's really big. Uh, but then it's hard when you're in the moment because you think it's such a big deal. But I, I'm sure that when you yeah. look back in the past, it's like, eh, whatever. Not a big deal. Like I said this to one of my, um, friends today too. It's like the victor from five years ago, you know, if the victor from five years ago, you know, uh, traveled through time and came now, like he wouldn't be able to handle the stuff that I'm handling right now. But you really get tough after, you know, you solve a few problems, then you kind of have that, you know, mental toolkit in your mind of how to solve this type of problem. Even though it's a uh, completely different, you kind of have an intuition of how to solve these problems. So you don't really panic anymore. You become calm and you become more collected and you just solve it. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it just, you just solve it. It's just like learning how to do anything. It's just, just fucking do it. <laughs> I think that's so true. Yeah. Okay, cool. Victor, where can people find more information about you or your company? Well, if you guys enjoy drinking great wine, <laughs> go to search for Vintorio on Amazon and you can buy my products. Please leave a review if you can, if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine too. I have to say this because of Amazon TOS. <laughs> yeah. I hope to, you know, like we were talking about, you know, other, other stuff that I might want to talk about. And we, we talked mainly about business stuff today, but next time I'm on, maybe we can talk more about. Yeah, stuff. we definitely, yeah. we definitely should. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really have like a website or anything. Just, just buy my products. It's really nice. If you don't like it, Give you a refund. <laughs> That's our policy. Lifetime guarantee. Yeah, lifetime guarantee. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Thanks for having me on, Chris. All right, see you guys. Thank you so much. Well, what'd you guys think? That was my first interview I ever did for this podcast, and I think it turned out okay. If there's any critiques that you have or any feedback that you have for me, please let me know. You can email me, chris at badassasiandudes.com. And if you really like the show, then please subscribe and share. If you really, really liked it, then please leave a five-star review. That would mean a lot to me. And that's basically it, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And see you guys next time. Peace.